Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. I've got three gentlemen on the podcast with me. Guys, would you introduce yourself? Hey, this is Kevin Kinnor, Biblical Counselor. Sam Schmidt, Pastor at Sacred City Moline. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. All right. Well, we have made our way through the uh, spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. We finished that last podcast by Donald Whitney. And now we're moving on to a much uh, simpler and lighter topic uh, that we've gotten many questions about. And that is the topic of Christian nationalism. Christian nationalism. Now, just as a, uh, a warning here, we are, we're not going to solve all, you know, all the problems in the world today. We're not going to solve all the problems in Christianity Day, all the, all the problems in our nation today. Um, we're probably going to begin a little series on this, and we'll, we'll do a few podcasts, and then we'll probably take a break, and then we'll probably come back to this um, in, throughout the year, and throughout the next couple years. Because um, <clears throat> those two words put together bring a lot of different thoughts into people's minds. Um, everybody, you know, let's just, we are kind of a melting pot in the United States. And so we come from a lot of different cultures and we've come from different educational experiences, just different church experiences, different familiar experiences. And the word Christian has been defined certain ways for us. And yep. the word nationalism has been defined certain ways for us. And then you put those two things together and there's just seems to be a lot of confusion today. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and I've read several books so far on this topic of Christian nationalism from a lot of different perspectives. And some people hate it and think it's, you know, terrible. And some people think that it is the answer to all of our problems in our society. And what has been called the <clears throat> um, kind of the magisterial work on Christian na nationalism or um, it's the top of the heap. Let's just say it's the top of the heap is a book called The Case for Christian Nationalism by Stephen Wolfe. And I'm probably a third to halfway through that book. It is, um, it got put on the shelf while I, while I did the, the remodeling. Yeah. It, it, it's a book that is one long sustained argument and I'm, I'm finding it very compelling in the early stages of the book. And I think it's going to be, um, you know, the, the book that a person or scholar has to reckon with mm. in order to debunk Christian nationalism or argue with it. It just seems to be, I mean, he's a brilliant guy and uh, he's coming from a historically reformed perspective Yeah, and he just makes for a pretty, pretty solid case, but not all the way through that book. And so there might be stuff in there I completely disagree with. And so I'm not going to review things from that perspective. Just wanted to kind of start out, open the topic of Christian nationalism. Now, Let's just start by those two terms. We're putting those two terms together, right? So, Sam, if you had to define, like, what is a Christian? Mm -hmm. Like, the word Christian, how would you define that? I would say a Christian is somebody who submits to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Basic. Um, being able to have a mere profession of faith, the Apostles' Creed, something that's, um, that reaches broad strokes as far as denominationally. So, Christ is Lord, that's a Christian. Yeah. Okay. Good. I don't disagree with that. The question comes in, can Christian be an adjective? Mm. So you're saying typically we talk about Christians as individuals or, or um, 
somebody is labeled a Christian based upon their own profession of faith. So when you apply that to a group, so for example, like a, a Christian family, um, we do that often. We say, this is a Christian family. I was raised in a Christian family. Well, maybe mom and dad have profession of faith. And obviously we view things covenantally. So the children are children of the covenant, but have they uh, repented of their sins, trusted in Jesus as their Lord, submitted to him as Lord. Sometimes we don't know. There's, there's a defining moment in a child's life where that happens. And so I do think you can apply the word Christian as an adjective um, in specific situations. So family would be one example. Now we ask, well, can you do that? No, 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 no. We don't have to go there. Hold on. Hold on. Don't jump ahead. Okay. So, so what I did there, so you said Christian is a person who submits them to the Lordship of Christ. I don't disagree with that. But the word Christian, and men like Jonathan, I think Jonathan Lehman, he argues that Christians, and he's a nine marks guy, Christianity, Christian cannot be used as an adjective. So for example, like Christian music is, is kind of a reference, right? That's what he'd say. And so I, cr- music itself can't be a Christian because music itself can't. Yeah, but I disagree with him yeah. 100%. And I, I think the classically reformed position, that's absolutely absurd. Mm-hmm. That um, we talk about Christian families, that does not mean every single person in the family is converted. Right. That right. means the family itself has submitted to the Lordship of Christ. Mm-hmm. The head of that family, the covenantal head of that family, has set up that family in a, in a Christian way, right? right. Yeah. In line mm-hmm. with biblical principles, let's just say. So, first off, we are not the type of people that believe that there needs to be this, you know, that, that Christianity only deals with the souls of mankind. Right. Right. Or only deals with even individuals that we have, there's a hierarchical, hierarchical nature to society as the father is head over his family. The father can lead a Christian family, even though there's one kid in there that's not, not a follower of Christ. Let's just say, okay. Yep. Now, if you can believe, if you, if you, so if you can expand the word Christianity into an adjective, if, if you're okay with that, then we can say there is such a thing as a Christian family. There is such a thing as Christian music. There is such a thing as, um, Christ, really, school. I would say Christian everything. Mm-hmm. Christian, yeah. yes, definitely. Christian schools. Like, there's such a thing as Christian schools. There's such a thing as a Christian church. Right. Now, is everyone in that church regenerate? No. no Absolutely no, yeah. not. But we would still say that's a Christian church, yeah. okay? Now, all we're about to do is extrapolate that principle a little bit, a little bit wider, mm-hmm. okay? And before we do, we're going we're gonna to talk about nationalism. So I, I, I could just take Christianity. Could you have a Christian business? Can you have a Christian team? Could you have a Christian neighborhood? Could you have a Christian tribe? Yeah. Could you have a Christian state? Could you have a Christian... Right? Region. Mm-hmm. I'm just going up. Could you have a Christian nation? Mm. Uh, that, that's where I'm, I'm going. Could you have a Christian globe? Mm. The answer is yes, because that's exactly what we have in the book of Revelation, chapter mm-hmm. 21. Yeah. Right? We have a Christian globe. We have nations of the world coming into one common kingdom under the lordship of Christ. Right? Now, at that point in time, everyone's converted. Right, mm-hmm. because the goats have been separated from the sheep by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. But until then, there is, there are two kingdoms. Now I'm going to get into something real quick here. This is classical 
two kingdoms theology that I'm going to talk about here that the biblical, that the Bible talks about. This is not some modern interpretations of it that sometimes people call radical two kingdoms. All, all two kingdoms mean is the kingdom of heaven yep. is pure, 100%. Everybody converted. It's the, it's the church, right? Universal all across time and place, every converted soul. That's the kingdom of Christ. He knows everyone who's his. He's never lost one. All, all regenerate, right? We, mm-hmm. we trust in that kingdom. But Christ is also building a kingdom on this earth, yep. the church visible, mm-hmm. and that church visible is actually made up of regenerate and unregenerate. Like there's, we just said, there's unregenerate people in our congregations, right? Yep. There are people that profess today and then tomorrow they're going to walk away or whatever. Mm. And so we have to acknowledge those two kingdoms while we're building the kingdom on earth, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, decipher the purity. Let's just say decipher the, so I'm not saying in order for me to have a Christian church or the kingdom of God on this earth, every 100% have to people have to be converted. Correct. Right. I don't, I don't have to reach that mm. perfection, that idealistic goal in order to say it's a Christian church or a Christian family or, or a Christian nation. Mm. Yep. Okay. So just to be clear, what you're saying is when you talk about a Christian nation, not 100% of the people are going to be Christians in that nation. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tracking with you. When we're, so the, let's just, then we're going to get into the second word, nationalism. <clears throat> now, let me just give four broad strokes. I think they're four broad strokes um, in my head. <clears throat> Yeah. Ways to structure society. Ways to structure the way human beings work together. You have individualism, let's just say, where every single individual, um, think of it like this. I've heard uh, Pastor Doug Wilson use this analogy. Every single individual is like a greased marble in a big old sack. The government is the sack, and it's just made up with a whole bunch of individuals. And think about that it's almost like a bean bag, right? That bean bag is full of all those beans. What do you, when you sit in that bean bag, what does it do? Sure. It just takes the shape, takes your shape, right? Mm-hmm. So a bean bag is really easy to manipulate, really easy to change and move around, but it lacks structure. It lacks rigidity. You can't build a house on a bean bag, right? right? So individualism is actually one of the most dangerous ways to organize society because Anybody that's stronger than you from outside of you can come in and just wreak, wreak havoc and wreck shop, yeah. right? Or one advertiser, one global corporation could manipulate a whole bunch of individuals and get them to follow them. Okay, yeah. so global, or I mean, so I'm sorry. So individualism, it seems like it offers freedom for the individual and it offers, hey, I'm just a solo individual, but it's a lot of danger because you can be manipulated society-wide, okay? Mm-hmm. Then... And, and you're also, you run the risk of not having proper associations, not having roots, you know, like think about if families weren't committed to one another and they were all just individuals, right? Mm-hmm. You, you would lack a key uh, ingredient for building any healthy society, any healthy human being. Mm-hmm. And we're not born into this world just as individuals. We're born into families, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so you got individual. And then the next kind of way to structure society that's kind of historically... Um, you know, normative is called tribalism. Um, you know, think every single continent was ruled at one time 
by tribes, mm -hmm. tribes of people, tribes of people. They can, I don't know how big they are. You know, I've heard, like, I read a book by Seth Godin one time that he, I think he said, like, 200 people is an average tribe. Like, that's, and, and he talked about just the network of human relationships and most, the normal type of leadership, you know, one group of people can cover. Like, one group of elders mm -hmm. could manage about 200 people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and then you've got warring tribes and you got different factions, but they're all kind of on the same continent or in the same region. And so you got tribalism. And now the problem with tribalism you get a little bit more structure, but you're not building interstates, you know, and skyscrapers with, with tribes. You need something bigger than that. Right. And then you get out to roughly, you know, nationalism. You get to the level of nationalism or, you know, biblically, you know, kingdoms like the Assyrian kingdom, mm -hmm. right? The Medo-Persian kingdom, the Greco-Roman kingdom. Um, you see people begin to organize themselves in a more hierarchical fashion, in a more structured fashion, to enable greater population growth and um, the greater, system to sustain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the the term is economies of scale. So yeah. when you get people together, and you get a thousand people working on a project, you can accomplish a whole lot more. You can build aqueducts, and right. you could mm. like all of the the great things that they built in the Middle East and and different places during that time. So you're out at the level of kingdom or at the level of nationalism. And when we read the Bible, we don't, like the Bible is in this structure, right? We see the 12 tribes of Israel. We see individuals in the garden. Then we see famil fam families, right, through the patriarchs. And then you get to the 12 tribes of Israel and you mm -hmm. kind of see these tribes being ruled together. Mm -hmm. And then the people want a king, and so then you get the, the nation of Israel, right? right? And so you get nationalism. You see and there's other nations around them. And so that's kind of the structure, the flow that we see all through the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And then you, you even see it in the, in the New Testament, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's how human beings have basically, those three ways are basically the three ways human beings have functioned. We could say it now politically, through the history of the world. Well, in comes this new kind of idea that we call globalism. And globalism basically wants to make us all one unified people. All the tribes, all the individuals, all the nations under one banner, let's say, yeah. right? Now, if many of us Probably there's a lot about globalism that we like. We, I like we like cheaper phones, mm. right? <laughs> we like to be able to order things from Amazon in two days, and it come from China, and we get it really fast, and it's cheap. So I'm not denying that globalism has brought with it um, some good things, right? Some some basically cheaper cost of living things like that. But there's trade-offs, and it's also brought with it some inherent dangers. Mm -hmm. Now, anytime I say something like, so when I say, do you think globalism is good? Most people would be like, most people, not everybody, but like, I think it's pretty good. And then I say, so you think one world government would be good? Mm -hmm. And then most people would be like, back, back off that. Mm -hmm. like, like if I think of one man or one group of people over the whole globe, like that sci-fi type of scary end, mm -hmm. end times thinking stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's reality. You don't, human beings are such the type of people we're fallen 
that you don't, I mean, it's dangerous to be a tribe, right? What's my tribal leader going to do? Mm. He could destroy the whole tribe. He could send us off, off to war. Well, that gets increasingly true the more people that are under this one leader. Mm. So if you would have one leader over the whole of civilization, that would be a very dangerous mm-hmm. situation, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then you, uh, with globalism too, it, I mean, if you think of all all of the distinctive lines getting blurred and um, homogeny would become like the status quo where all of our distinctives get blurred. And the, there's no way to do that in an actual way where you would still have traditions, values, cultural elements that are going to be fought over in some way, but there's no way to make distinctions. You'd just be warring with yourself under that one governmental head. And so it just makes it very impractical and impossible in in a real sense for that to work out. Yeah. Okay. So what Sam is saying is globalism would actually destroy multiculturalism. Correct. Globalism would turn, it, they would, globalism would market itself as multicultural, but they would, they would bastardize cultures into a food court, mm-hmm. right? You walk into the mall and look, there's Italian food. Look, there's Asian food. Look, there's, you know, it's like, well, actually that's not good Italian food. That's not real Italian food. That's not real, you know, like mm-hmm. it would food court it, right? Mm-hmm. Because... In order to work together, we have to speak the same language. Yep. We have to have the same goals. We have to, like, there's just, and we're not going to. Like, if you're from China, right, I'm from America, it's one of, we have to either have an interpreter or something. There's things that have to happen, yep. right? So the, the dangers of globalism are um, if the, the people that get to the top of that can push their understanding of culture and what's good for society all the way down or all the way around the globe. Mm-hmm. And just so you know that there are <clears throat> the World Economic Forum, guys like Klaus Schwab, these are the, some of the richest men on the planet, and this is exactly what they're pushing. Mm-hmm. And they're, the LGBTQ plus sexual revolution is one of the things that they're pushing. Um, the, the global threat the, or the... the, the <clears throat> economic crisis, whatever you want to call it. This is another thing that they're pushing, right? And ultimately, they're, u- they're using these different things to um, get more and more power, more and more influence, more and more ability to change the world in ways that they want to. And so one of the, one of the ways God has naturally structured the world to keep, you know, <clears throat> in, in the world of Superman, the Lex Lugers from... Uh, possessing too much power is what did he do do you remember what he did at the at the tower of babel yeah he, he split they were, they got unified on a rebellious cause and then god scrambled their languages and sent them apart they he split them up he sent them out yeah so one of the key pieces of any culture is their language it's one of the foundational pieces they have to share the same language mm-hmm. and so these people were unified in you know, trying to build a ziggurat, trying to build this thing that went to the heavens to prove how great they were, to rival God. You could say they were trying to build a one-world government right there, mm-hmm. and God struck it down, and he, caught, he, he sent division specifically by making them speak different languages. Mm-hmm. And then they're, now they're confused, and they go out to the edges of the world, and they start building their own separate cultures. 
Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And we know religion is upstream from culture. So if you're worshiping the true God, you're going to build a life-giving religion. If you're worshiping any false God, you're going to build a death, you know, a death-wielding, mm. a demonic culture. Right. And that's exactly what we see ar around the world. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> Another thing that we talk about the dangers of globalism that Christians ought to think about is when, when the Apostle Paul talks about the powers and principalities, one of the things in the background is the government. And if you consolidate all the power into one system or one, you know, one group of people calling all of the shots in the world, that sets up an instantaneous rival to Christ. That's going to be a conflict. It's like, is it is Lord is Christ Lord or is this uh, cohort of power wielding humans Lord? Yeah. And that's going to be a rivalry that we as Christians like, yeah, that that's going to be problematic down the road. Yeah. You know, and the Bible calls that Babylon. Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's what Babylon is. Mm. Okay, so we're, we didn't. We're not really trying to you know scare everybody on globalism right now, but we're <laughs> we're just saying that there's basically individualism, there's tribalism, there's nationalism, and there's globalism. Mm. Okay, um, the only time globalism has really been tried is at the Tower of Babel, and that got smoked right by God Himself. Yeah. And so many of us are trying to. You know, people in our society today are trying to push us towards this one world government or whatever it is. And we do not believe that that's Christian, right? That, that, right. that this, this form is, is Christian. We think that, um, well, we appreciate nationalism in this regard, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the word nationalism means a lot of different things to a lot of people. I think I'll just go with the scariest idea of nationalism and many of us uh, today, when we hear nationalism, we probably think the Third Reich, right? Mm. We probably think Hitler and his form of nationalism that, um, you know, was an ethnocentric nationalism that believed the German people were, were you know, the pure-blooded and pure-blooded race of individuals who are going to use this or ethnicity and, and that they wanted to you know, manufacture the Ubermensch, the, the, the ultimate man, mm -hmm. and they wanted <clears throat> to wipe out any race, ethnicity, class of people that was beneath them because they thought, you know, breeding different races was going to, was weakening the ultimate human race. Just to let you know, like, this is really where ev evolutionary thinking got them, mm -hmm. that they could biologically manufacture human beings to create the Superman. Right. Right. And so get rid of all the weak people, get rid of the ones that have infirmities, get rid of the homosexuals, get rid of the Jews, get rid of the, get rid of just about everybody. And a byproduct of that was abortion. A big piece of that factor of what they're going for comes the abortion bills. <clears throat> yeah. You, so, and this, that's taken from, I mean, Rome and, and, uh, uh the, um, the, the, the warriors, uh, Spartans, the Spartans, if they if their wife gave birth to a, a sickly or weak baby, they just killed it. Mm -hmm. They just threw it off, right? Because they valued strength and and, and so they, basically they they had been practicing it for, you know, hundreds hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, <clears throat> we many times when we think of nationalism, we think of that, right? That's not when, well, I. I there is that. I'll say that. There could be a form of, of Christian nationalism that seeks to 
isolate themselves, see themselves as ethnically or culturally um, superior, and they could, they put, I mean, that's just, I'm not saying there are, but there could be white supremacists and these different people that could co-opt the label Christian nationalism. Right. That, that could happen. So then from an objective perspective, if they're, even if they're using that title, Christian, we would say, biblically speaking, that's not, racism is not a Christian value. Right. Mm. Right. So right. Ethnocentric, would, ethnocentricity, racism, um, it's been called kinism, different, di- different things, mm-hmm. is anathema to the Christian, right? So mm-hmm. part of the challenge of this conversation is that people are using, using words or the, the title Christian nationalism to describe something that may not be Christian or may not be national, right? So that, that's part of the, the nature of this conversation is sort of figuring out our definitions uh, and what it is we're exactly talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Just like everybody who claims to be a Christian is not a Christian. Mm-hmm. Right, there could be a Christian in my church who beats his wife. Mm-hmm. That does not mean um, that you know every Christian beats his wife. Right, right, or that I, does not mean that I teach at Sacred City that you can beat your wife. For sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just got introduced to this term this week, and the guy called it nut picking. Nut picking. Nut picking. It's basically guilt by association. So we've heard of nitpicking, right? He called this nut picking. And basically the idea is you pick out a nut on the opposition side and then you say, well, look at that crazy person over there. You're all crazy, mm. right? Okay. So I think we do this all the time. Like if, if, I mean, I don't know, there could be a white supremacist in my church, right? And a nut, nut picking would be like, there's a white supremacist that goes to that church. Therefore, that whole church is white supremacist. Yep. Like, whoa, whoa, absolutely not. And we teach against that. Mm-hmm. So- under the label of Christian nationalism, there can be a whole lot of variety in, in different type of people, and, and that we would not all claim to be biblical or Christian or whatever, right? This is with any, any group that's, mm. that's true. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not going to like nail down a definition of Christian nationalism on this podcast because I just haven't quite articulated one myself. And I found, I found like four different versions that are, that I'm kind of like, I'll just say like as on the surface, I'm like, I kind of like that. Oh, kind of like that. Oh, I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of. And so the, the term itself has, we have not as a society or as a culture or whatever, really come down and said, this is what that is. Right. Right. <clears throat> um, and so today we're not going to try to define that. We're just trying to build out the terms, get an understanding of things. Now, most of the time, when I ask a person, do you want the United States of America to be a Christian nation? Most people that I know say, yeah. Would you guys have any pushback to that? I wouldn't. No, it, it seems that that would be the most uh, advantageous um, way of organizing society. If we're Christians, we truly believe that Jesus is the only way to salvation. Mm-hmm. Um, having a desire for our nation to reflect Jesus as Lord, that, that seems like an, uh, a win mm-hmm. for the kingdom of heaven and also for life here on earth. <clears throat> 
I think it sounds good too, um, and I agree. But at the same time, would the people on whatever side, if you're not a Christian, now we we kill you by the sword? Bro, you just jumped. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, but is that how you is that how you're growing Sacred City Youth? <laughs> Are you telling people? Listen, you either show up, love Jesus, or it's the sword. <laughs> okay, so. I think what Alex is actually doing there is just playing devil's advocate and uh, offered a question that somebody could potentially ask, right? It's a, it brings up a great point. Um, Christians, first off, there's, there's so much stuff in that one question that you just asked there. Christ, Christians do not convert with violence. We do not convert at the sword. Mm-hmm. Have the crusades happened? Yes, the crusades happened. You can't just blanketly say that because the Crusades happened first protecting themselves from Islam, all right, and being yeah. attacked by them. Did they go too far? 100%. They, they went too far and they tried to, and they did some bad stuff. But that is, um, you know, in one sense, that's, that's the nationalistic side of things. Yeah. We're seeing this happen, interestingly enough, right now in Israel. Um, Israel was attacked, the worst terrorist attack, the worst attack on Jews since the Holocaust mm. uh, um, on the anniversary of their 50-year 50 uh, 50 anniversary of the war, that, a war that they had with, um, I guess, I don't want to call them Hamas back then, but uh, Palestinians. And a nation has a right to protect itself. Christians, we also have a right to protect ourselves. Now, as an individual Christian, you do not have to, you are not required to physically attack somebody, you know, and protect yourself. You're not required. You could, Jesus says, you can tur- if you get slapped on the cheek, you could turn the other cheek. Mm-hmm. Somebody pulls a gun on you, you could take the bullet and die. You could do that. That's, that's within your bounds. But... The Bible also lays out that we also have um, a right to protect ourselves, to protect our loved ones, that it's a good thing for a man to protect his loved ones. We see this all the way through the Old Testament. We see family members, you know, enact vengeance upon their enemies along biblical, under biblical law, right? Um, Not vigilante law. And he gives us a just legal system to do these types of things. But... There's a just theory of war. If someone attacks us, we have a righteous right to retaliate and, and kill them if they've killed us, right? And so we see that going on right now in Israel with, mm-hmm. with Hamas. And it's about to get real crazy over there because they, they've declared war and, um, and some horrible, horrible things have, have happened. So... The idea of globalism, and this is, we'll get it, we can get into all kinds of things, but yeah, because sure. I think people in America and, and many Christians say like, we should just have open borders. We should just have open borders. And that is, you can't have a nation if you have open borders mm-hmm. because a nation is defined by a common culture. You have to have a common culture in order to have a nation. Yeah. You have to have a common language. 
You have to have shared values. You have to have shared legal standards. You have to have all of these different things in order to have a nation. Mm -hmm. And people can, you know, they can get kind of so comfortable that they just think, oh, no, open borders is fine. Go to Israel. Mm. Go to Israel and say, oh, yeah, just have open borders. Hamas believes it is good to kill every Jew. They don't want a treaty. They don't want better situations for the government. They're only interested in one thing, and that's killing Jews. They want to absolutely wipe Jews off the face of the earth. Mm. Now, how, what do you do as the nation of Israel, right? Well, you have a nationalistic policy, and you build a wall. Mm -hmm. You build a fence. You protect yourself. You arm yourself. Why? Because if you don't, you, there will be no Jewish people. Right. Mm -hmm. it's, happened, it's already happened in the past. If you didn't know that, study the history of Israel. Israel was demolished in AD 70, carried off basically into captivity, subjugated, never had land, never really had a, a people again until 1948. And there was a mass movement migrating back to Jew, you know, the Gaza Strip and these different places in Israel, trying to populate it, trying to, you know, after, you know, after World War II and such. But then in 1948, um, they became a nation state again. And they've been at war pretty much ever since because the people around them hate them and want to kill them. So it's interesting to me that you see all these people that promote globalism, namely our president and his Democratic Party right now. All of a sudden, this past week, they celebrate Israel mm -hmm. when their globalistic policies have mm -hmm. created this unfreezing $6 billion to Iran, all this kind of stuff that's literally given Hamas all of this money to do this, and now all of a sudden they go, oh yeah, we support Israel. <laughs> you know, I'm glad he said it because he needed to say it because Hamas is a demonic ideology. It's a demonic kingdom mm -hmm. that, that needs to be destroyed. I say all of that to say, we, in this sense of the word, the Bible promotes nationalism. At the end of all things, Revelation 21, we have the nations of the world mm -hmm. coming together with their collective good mm. and presenting it at the feet of the Lordship of Christ. Yes. Even in the Great Commission where you see Jesus says, go and disciple the nations. He doesn't say go and disciple the nations to dissolve nationhood. It's like the nations are kept intact and then it moves towards the trajectory of Revelation yeah. 21. So nationalism is just the belief that each family has a right to define its culture within their own home and sphere, right? It's just that extrapolated out a little bit farther. Yep. Each tribe, each nation. You don't get that with globalism. At globalism, there's gonna be a top-down forcing of culture, forcing of values, forcing, of, right? Yeah. So globalism is not condoned by the Bible. And it's going to feel a lot like communism, really. When you boil it down, it's going to be the government at top, the authorities pushing everything yeah, down. Or to totalitarianism mm -hmm. or, yeah, you know, whatever you want to, you know, anything like that. All right, so this tap, so what is Christian nationalism? Christian nationalism is the belief that a nation can govern itself through Christian principles. This is very, very general. Yep. So I would say that Britain has been a Christian nation. I would say that the United States of America was 100% a, 
a Christian nation. When I say 100%, I do not mean that there weren't deists signing right. the Constitution. I'm, I'm saying that deist was more of a Christian than most Christians today mm -hmm. because he had a Christian worldview. He had a Christian moral compass. He had a Christian understanding of government and the separation of powers and all these different things. Um, so Kenyan, Kenya is a Christian nation. Christian nationalism is, is basically saying, what would it look like to take the principles of the Bible and history and all the things that we can and cr make our country a Christian nation? Mm. That will look different in the United States than it would in Mexico, than it would in Ireland, mm -hmm. than it would in Kenya, than it would in whatever, beca because of our cultural differences. Yep. Okay? So we're not, we're not flattening everything and making everything, oh, wait, Christian nationalists, we're all going to eat burgers, we're all going to, you know, like just... Mm taking American culture and pushing it out everywhere. Right. It's just taking the, the, the principles of scripture and applying them in each individual context and then saying, let's build a nation that honors Christ as Lord. Mm -hmm. okay. So how, how new is putting these two words together? And is this a, a government down or is this something that someone just came up with off the top of their head and now they're writing books and pushing this? So the two, I would say the two words together, um, the first thing, I, first time I've ever heard these two words put together, I think, I can't, is probably January 6th, the January 6th riots, yeah. uh, where these people were rioting and they're, you know, uh, and then they, they had Christian symbols, some of them had Christian symbols. Now, obviously, everyone in that group was not a Christian. Sure. But that got labeled white Christian nationalism. Um, Everybody in that group was not white, you right. know, like all kind of stuff. Yeah. But that's where I heard it. And when I first heard it, I like rejected it. I was like, whoa, that sounds bad, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, and I, there could, there hundred percent could be bad actors in there and bad sex, sects, S-E-C-T-S within there that we would reject wholeheartedly. Um, you know, that, that or whatever, maybe white supremacists or chemists or whatever, whatever. Um, but the, I think the media kind of put them together is the first time I really heard of it, mm -hmm. which is weird because, again, if you would have asked me 20 years ago, do you think our country sh should be a Christian nation? I would have said yes. If you had asked me, was our country a Christian nation? I would have said yes. So there was a difference in my mind between nation and nationalism, mm. right? Um, and so that's the first time that I've heard um, the term that they're, you know, white Christian nationalisms. Of course, we would, you know, reject any form of white Christian nationalism. But again, it's kind of a developing label, and therefore, we don't want to just throw it, throw it away, because I think it's a good term. I think it's a good term that we need to define and argue for and think through, and maybe we will throw it away. If it gets co-opted by the wrong guys, it, it could potentially be bad and we mm -hmm. and we throw it away yeah i think a lot of the same way about like evangelical like i remember there being in the last 10 years is it helpful to use the word evangelical anymore it's been the definition's been so blurred so many different you know you, you got to figure out okay well what exactly are we talking about before we discard that you know wholesale what are we talking about and then let's move forward with some sort of you know, consensus on what the definitions are. And I think that's really what this conversation is because there's a lot of misconceptions of what Christian nationalism is. That's a fear tactic of what you hear pushed out on the media of why, why it's like the boogeyman of, of uh, world ideologies. 
Um, and it, I don't think it, you might be throwing out the baby with the bathwater if you, you bite on that lie. It's silly. I mean, <clears throat> the liberals who say that, th right now they're promoting Jewish nationalism. <laughs> so why would it be okay for the Jewish people, the Israelites, right? Why would it be okay for them to be nationalists and not okay for us to be nationalists? Mm. It, right? Because it doesn't directly impact them right now. Yeah, it's just, it's bizarre. So, of course, Christians do not convert at the edge of the sword. Yep. We've already talked about that. Yep. Just because you're living in a Christian nation, no one's going, no one could convert you, right? No one could make you be, make you believe something. Christianity ultimately, at that level of becoming, deals with hearts and minds in the sense of the pietistic understanding of that's how we're saved mm -hmm. at, at the individual level. Right. But... Again, Christianity as an adjective, as a worldview, as a all-encompassing way of defining reality, that would include Christian governments, Christian schools, mm -hmm. Christian businesses, Christians' families. And God gives us rules for the household, right? That's what Ephesians 6 talks about, the individual level of the gospel. It changes us from, we go from death to life. Mm -hmm. and, the, and then by the Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6, we're into... And here's how that affects the marriage. Here's how that affects the family. Here's that, how that affects the workplace, right? All we're doing is continuing to extrapolate that out to larger institutions like the church. Mm -hmm. The church, church is a larger institution, institution. And then you're going to have a group of churches, a collection of churches, and you're going to have cities, and you're going to have states, and you're going to have governments and na nations and mm -hmm. what have you, okay? So... Within the realm, the, so far, the way that we framed up this conversation with this specific kind of really wide definition of Christian nationalism, we would say, yes, mm -hmm. Christian nationalism would be a good thing, right? We wouldn't kill babies in their wombs. We wouldn't have easy divorce laws on the books. We would be properly punishing criminals and we wouldn't have criminals running the streets and, um, and, and raping women and getting out early and, and killing people and st robbing stores and just, just the general chaos that we're experiencing in our country is because liberalism was a lie from the beginning mm. and liberalism is basically paganism and paganism is chaos. Mm -hmm. Every you know, pagan society has deconstructed and, and, and disappeared. Yeah. Right. And so from this perspective, we're saying, OK, let's dip our toes into this idea of Christian nationalism. Right. Mm -hmm. We're not jumping in. We're not going full in. Got questions. Mm -hmm. But this is where we're at. OK, that's all we're going to do for this first podcast. So what I want you guys to do is, OK, where are we headed, Justin? Where, what are you thinking? What are you guys hearing about Christian nationalism? What are your fears? What are your thoughts? Send me those questions and these next podcasts, we're going to do our best to start. We're going to build out a better framework of what this is. We're going to think through the different pockets of Christian nationalism, different perspectives on it, some of the pushbacks. And um, yeah, we're going to hopefully get ourselves prepared. <laughs> well, it is an election year coming up, right? So we got to get ourselves yeah. prepared for that, right? So, all right, guys, we love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Talk to you soon.